Welcome to the Kenny Climate Dialogues, the podcast at the intersection of international education and climate action. I am your host, CJ Tremblay. Today, we are going to be talking about all things COIL. COIL has been talked about in the international education sector for a while now. We keep hearing about it more and more. Uh, A session here, a webinar series there, a virtual workshop. And yet the term COIL can be intimidating or ambiguous to some practitioners who are learning about what it is. So for starters, what I can tell you is that COIL means and stands for Collaborative Online International Learning. Uh, At both the North American Canny Climate Action Summit in May and the European Summit in November, we had presenters on COIL from two different perspectives. And during both those sessions, we had so many questions from the audience who wanted to hear more and unpack those topics. So we are so glad to have both those presenters back with Canny as guests on the podcast today. So Simone Hackett and Keiko Ikeda, everybody. Oh, the crowd goes wild. So I'm really excited to get into it uh, because today's gonna be fun. I'm happy to welcome uh, my Canny co-host today, a woman, that I got to work with while organizing the European Summit in November. She was a presenter and in our planning and discussion meetings shared a really, like a lot of really interesting perspectives and was really generous um, with her time and her knowledge. Uh, And I quickly came to admire her. And also her accent makes my ears really happy. Um, So I'm super excited to introduce you to Simone Hackett. Um, Simone was born and raised in Ireland, but has been living and working in the Netherlands for more than a decade. Uh, Simone works at the Hague University of Applied Sciences, where she is a senior lecturer and also head of internationalization for the Faculty of Health and Sports. Simone has been developing and teaching COIL courses since 2013, Um, and in addition to this, she is currently working on her PhD at Utrecht University in the Netherlands. Her research focus is on virtual exchange COIL. It's really great that we've got her to talk to us today. Simone's also a leading member of the European Association for International Education and regularly gives conference presentations on topics related to internationalization of education. So it's super, super awesome. Um, Simone, thank you so much for being here. Welcome. Hi, how's it going? Yes, thank you. Thank you for having me on your show. It is so good to have you here. Where are you joining from today? I'm joining from the Netherlands. So it's a very cold morning in the Netherlands. We have a really cold snap here. Um, it was minus seven here. So that's really cold. There's a lot of snow outside. Very unusual for the Netherlands for this time of year. Goodness. Um, it's. I love when you're like, I'm from the Netherlands. I'm calling from the Netherlands when you have like this beautiful... <laughs> Irish accent that I talk about like makes my ears so happy um which is like (laughs) such a just a fun beautiful thing about like the global um international ed sector where people uh, find themselves I got to know about Kani I think around two years ago um and I'm on the European Association for International Education 
um, and I'm on the, the conference program committee of the EAE. And I saw a proposal coming through from IELTS at Lamont on sustainable internationalization. Um, and um, I wanted to personally put more um, focus on um, uh, sustainability within the conference. Um, so when I saw her proposal come through, I got very excited about this. And of course, I reached out to her to see how we could connect um, and maybe bring her into the conference as well. And that's when she told me all about Cannes and um, I got involved in it. And, and that brings us to the, the, the summit in Europe in which she also asked me to do a session on COIL um, at the summit. And, and that was fantastic. And it resulted in so many um, like-minded people being connected um, and building bridges um, um, as well, which is magical. Um, so that's my, my how I got involved with Canny, I suppose. Yeah, that's amazing. And so what is your driver? Like something about, you know, something about reading Elsa's proposal just like clicked, right? Because we talk about this all the time. Like it's not as common as you would think the common sense of wanting to take care of our environment. So what is it that sort of has, had you always been thinking about sustainability in the sector and the, the fact that it perhaps international wasn't as sustainable and all of a sudden it just sort of clicked or was it a aha moment uh, right away? I think it was kind of a, com- it, it was the right time, right place moment. I think um, for me, uh, I was quite complacent about sustainability um, in the past. You know, I knew, you know, it was an issue, but I was thinking, oh yeah, that's far away and somebody else will take care of that, you know. Um, but as I, I, I started reading that Uninhabitable Earth book by David Wallace Wells, and that's really when it, it, it's such a powerful book um, explaining, you know, um, uh, what, what the consequences of global warming will be on the planet. And this really hit home to me and it woke me up, changed my entire mindset and, and my behavior in relation to sustainability. And as an international educator, um, I thought, okay, I can't be part of the problem. I need to be part of the solution. And that's when I started really like reading more about it and trying to change my own behavior um, embedding more um, um, uh, topics on sustainability and global warming within the, te- the courses I teach. And also, I mean, I, I'm involved in developing and teaching COIL courses anyway. And I thought, okay, this is just, you know, um, quite obvious that this is a way in which we can offer our students an international experience um, without encouraging them to fly abroad. Um, uh, so, I mean, for me, it was very obvious um, uh, development I think (laughs) and was that like before or after sort of you were involved with COIL um uh after so I mean I've been involved in COIL since 2013 and uh, my my um interest in environmental sustainability that was I mean I started getting serious about that around two years ago two three years ago okay um so around so that it's time super interesting that you've been working in this space about um that really has the potential to dramatically decrease um yeah. the carbon footprint of the sector in which you work but you hadn't really made that connection or yeah. you know you were still no, thinking no, about it from I didn't a- make- but I think it comes from this. I didn't make the connection then, but it came, it comes from the point that um, I, I wanted to focus on internationalization at home. Um, so for my students who don't go abroad, who can't go abroad. So COIL is a tool in which you can help 
uh, students develop intercultural competencies um, when they cannot go abroad or they haven't gone abroad. So I think that, given that, then it, it was just a coincidence that um, uh, that these that, that these two came into play. Well, lucky us. Um, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. um, and you know, on the topic of connections, you actually know our next guest, right? So you and yeah. Keiko know each other. Yeah, we go we go way back. Um, yeah, so Kiko and I met in 2016, um, and we presented at the European Association of International Education uh, conference back then. And then we also did another uh, session for ASAN as well uh, on COIL, virtual exchange. Uh, and our universities also have partnered up to develop COIL courses, teach COIL courses together as well. So um, our paths are always crossing unbelievable dear listeners i promise you i did not know this when uh simone i asked simone and coil and uh keiko to join on the coil episode so this what you are in for is going to be awesome because these two women um know each other well know this subject very uh deeply and um yeah i'm so excited to have you here so excited to have keiko here so uh, let's, yeah, let's bring on Keiko. Keiko Ikeda is a professor in the Division of International Affairs and KU COIL coordinator at Kensai University. Recently, she has taken the role as principal project manager for the Inter-University Exchange F- Project funded by MEXT from 2018 to 2022 called COIL Plus Program to Develop Global Career Mindsets. Keiko is the vice director for the newly established organization at Kensai University, the Institute for Innovative Global Education. She has a PhD from the University of Hawaii at Manoa, specializing in Japanese linguistics, foreign language education, and conversation analysis. Her interests in the international education fields are internationalization at home, constructing active learning programs, collaborating with universities overseas. Some of her recent appointments include in November 2020, being the expert group member for Asian European Foundation and the expert group on inclusive learning and teaching in a digital world, as well as in December 2020, the IIE American Academy of International Education. Can't think of another person that I would rather have on this podcast right now to join us. This is so awesome. Keiko, welcome. Thanks for being here. Well, thank you for having me on on a podcast today. Really appreciate it. I hope we can enjoy the session today. Yeah, so happy to have you here. Uh, We didn't have a chance to have you live on our summit uh, in North America because it was like 3 a.m. your time. Um, But you sent a fantastic presentation. So for those of you who haven't watched it, be sure to check it out on YouTube. Um, But I'm so excited uh, that you're able to join us today. So can you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you sort of came to know about Canny and be involved in uh, presenting at our summit. Okay, so just a little bit of my background, how I ended up being what I do at the moment. So I started as a um, someone who was into a what's called conversational analysis, and I was doing human computer interaction analysis from sociological perspective. And my PhD was actually on a political discourse analysis. So it was all communication study. And then when I started to take up on my faculty position, um, I got into doing blended learning, meaning that adapting ICT and IT tools uh, into you know, the physical brick and mortar classroom. 
And then I was doing that for a while, then until 2014. And then at that time, I got an encounter with John Rubin, who's the director, former director for the Coil Center. And that's why I got to know Coil. So that's where I started and promoting what I do, doing what I'm doing right at the moment. Um, I got to know Penny um, through a, someone at the San Diego State University, Eddie West. Um, he was formerly at UC Berkeley. So we met each other as a senior international officer that who goes to a conventions like NAFSA. So we were the regulars there. And then I started to talk to him, see if the Berkeley is interested in, you know, starting up a COIL practice with the Kansai University. And that's how I started it. And he got to know about the COIL and he was very heavily uh, involved in community activity. That's how I got to um, had the opportunity to actually do a presentation at the academy. Amazing. And so I've said this many times, um, I come from the service provider background uh, you got anyone wants to talk about marketing conferences, working with institutions, connecting with students. I'm a girl, but pedagogical topics, working with an institution, driving transformation, um, exploring new ways to educate and create global citizens. Like that's outside of my wheelhouse. So it is like an incredible privilege um, to have you both on the pod um, since more than any episode to date, uh, I'm just going to be the girl asking questions. Uh, so much of this is new to me, and I am uh, hopeful that I will be able to learn something, but mostly that our listeners, because um, there are listeners, which is still so cool and crazy, um, will also learn something. So I think we're just going to dig right in. Um, so I'm going to start question with Simone, just like the, the basic and telling us a little bit about the difference between COIL and virtual exchanges. Are they the same thing? How, how does that go? Well, um, this is opening a can of worms, right, with the terminology of virtual exchange and COIL. But how it is um, starting to form is that virtual exchange is actually the umbrella term. And of course, Kiko, if I'm if you have a different perspective, you should you should jump in here as well. Virtual exchange is the umbrella term for a lot of different initiatives um, that involve um, online collaboration amongst students or teachers or facilitators. And it, under this umbrella, you will have initiatives such as collaborative online international learning coil, but also intercultural dialogue as well. Um, and, and these initiatives have different, um, um, uh, they involve different types of uh, curriculum design and how um, the courses are designed, how the assignment students um, partake um, are designed, and also the learning experience okay, of the student as well, and the role of the teacher. Um, so that's basically what it is in a nutshell and um if you want me to go further into coil i can and what that initiative involves yeah, yeah um uh well coil is a um um it's i'd say it's a tool which adds an international dimension to a regular course and regular course we're talking about in the past face-to-face -face courses which would happen in the classroom so you'd add this online dimension to this course, which would help students um, develop their intercultural competencies. And it would involve um, uh, two, two lecturers who are ge geographically separated from two different universities coming together and finding each other, coming together and developing a joint assignment together that they would give their students. 
from the students on both sides would normally speaking of course there's different um different ways to do this as well but normally speaking um they would they would group their students together so into pairs so maybe let's say you have a dutch student and a new york student who would who would be paired together online um, or maybe even groups of students, three Dutch and three American students, New York students, who would be grouped together. And in these groups, they would complete this, the assignment, the collaborative assignment that their lecturers have uh, developed together. And they would complete this assignment over around, yeah, it, the length of it depends, but usually four to ten weeks. And during this period, this is where the learning happens, where they, um, uh, they, they try to complete the assignment together. They run into challenges and they have to overcome these challenges. And that's where the learning um, occurs. And these could be uh, challenges to do with the discipline, but also challenges to do with communication, intercultural communication. And so this is basically what COIL is. And Kiko, maybe you have something more to add to that. Oh, wow. um, that, that was a beautiful definition. And I think um, there are starting that we have the bilateral coil and also in addition to it, the people started to go a little bit advanced, meaning including the third uh, institution as oh, well. Yeah. So yeah. having a multilateral yeah. coil is also been um, very interesting and challenging to do a collaborative project altogether with the more institution, but yet yeah, it has a very good fruit coming out of it as well. Beautiful. So thank you for that. Um, what I heard from an institution perspective, and I, I do want to dig into the student perspective. Um, and I, there's a lot of moving parts, it sounds like, from the development of it to the partnerships to the actual like course work um, development. So, you know, that obviously implies a lot of challenges. So to Keiko, I, I would ask, like, what is the benefit to the institution? Why take on that challenge? Okay, um, so I have to answer this question in like a two parts. So before COVID and with the COVID, I guess that's the pretty much a big line there that I have to draw. So before COVID, I used to say uh, several things. It's almost like um, a very important component of the things whenever I talk about COIL. So first merit, I guess benefit, I would probably say is that you, as an international educator, you get to actually build a great partnership um, building internationally, and so she not a doormat um, agreement, but a highly active international cooperation through educational practice. So that's the first I would say. Second, I would say is that it naturally creates a great faculty or professional development demand, because, for example, for my university, the faculty who's going to get into a coil collaboration now suddenly facing not domestic students, but also international students to teach together. So then they feel like, oh, I have to improve my, my speaking skills. I have to do, improve my teaching skills. So it really creates a natural need for improving their teaching and understanding more about the learning. And the first thing I would say is that um, COIL has a collaborative learning as it's a very important component because in the main, as you can see, so by designing um, collaboration task properly, then it provides a very good active learning with sometimes challenge-based learning uh, in an international context for the students. And which is something that at the higher educational level, we want the students to actually do that so that they have this expected graduate attributes that includes many things such as transversal skills or competencies. So those are the main things. I think there are many other merits as, as well that um, should be promoted. But before COVID, I used to say those things. 
And now with the COVID, um, why take the challenge? It doesn't really necessarily say much anymore because they, there's not much of a um, mobility study abroad opportunities that's available anymore Then they have to resort to something. And then that's the COYO seems to come up uh, on their mind right away. So because of the slow recovery in um, mobility ends, and then people are thinking about next normal phase that we're going to get into uh, with the COVID or after COVID anyway. So there's not any other choices but to take the challenge. Yes, it is. Uh, certainly, I think that's a reality we keep coming across in all these podcasts is like, what we once thought was impossible or too difficult all of a sudden is a, a reality that we had we had to take on that challenge. There was really no other other option. And it's been shown that, you know, we are we are resilient and sort of adaptable and able to make these changes. Um, so so thank you for that. And there are a couple of things that you said there that I, I want to dig in a little bit later. But one of the things that I'm I'm keen to understand is from a student perspective. So we're talking about the benefits to the institution and why take on this challenge. But, um, you know, we are in the business, especially um, the international sector, and we are all deeply passionate about creating, you know, those global citizens and developing those intercultural competencies. So I'd be keen to dig a little bit on the front, Simone, if you can, the benefits specifically to um, the students. What can you share with us about like, the student experience in, in this? Yeah, so, I mean, I've been developing and teaching COIL courses for, yeah, around eight years now. So I can really, I really know the patterns that students go through when they start um, with a COIL course, with a COIL assignment. And usually speaking, um, uh, well, at least definitely before the pandemic, when everything was, has been moved online, they were very, very excited when they heard that they were going to do a COIL assignment because it's very different to their normal classes, their normal face-to-face classes. So they said, oh, this is fantastic. We're going to be doing something online with students abroad. So they're really, really excited about doing this. And of course, some they might have some anxiety, such as the language barrier. Will their language, will their English be good enough to communicate with students abroad and things like that. But usually the general feeling within the classroom is excitement. But as it goes along, as they they start to complete the assignment, that can change for some students. And of course, some really thoroughly enjoy the experience and they make friends with their their virtual classmates and they're following each other on Facebook or Instagram. Um, But some other ones come, come, come up against challenges. Um, with either communication or, or, or getting the task done. And this is also part of the learning experience as well. And some, at some point, even some of them want to stop completely with the assignments that I've had enough of this, that I don't want to do it. They're not, they're not participating, et cetera, et cetera. But of course, at this point, it's also the facilitator's role to so the teacher, the, the, the person who's you know, guiding the students in this process to step in and say, hey, this is part of the learning. This is part of dealing with people who are who are not the same as you have a different um, culture. They live in a different country. They have a different type of life to you. Let's try a different approach. And that's where really where the the learning, the, the communication skills, the intercultural um, competencies are developed as well. And, and through this process, they get through it and they complete the assignment. And even at the end of the course, you might ask them, okay, 
how did it go? And they say, no, I didn't like that at all, because it really took them out of their, pushed them out of their comfort zone with something that they were really confronted with, that they have to deal with this either conflict or, uh, um, you know, uncomfortable situation, which they did not enjoy. But if you ask them a few months down the line, they'll actually say, actually, I really enjoyed that. I really learned a lot from that experience. So immediately after the course, some of them might not really give a great evaluation. Um, but if you ask them a few, uh, even the next year, they'll say, that was actually one of the best parts of my um, of my study the coil experience so th that's from one thing of what I can see from from developing and teaching these coil courses but I'm also doing um research into coil and and the effectiveness of coil um in helping students develop intercultural competencies and what I what I've discovered because I did a control study with a group that that, that didn't have a coil experiment or sorry a coil um uh, experience and and two groups that did um, and one of the groups um, that did have the experience was already, um, uh, how can I say it, had, had an international mindset. So they chose to study an English top program. There were different international students within the class. So they already had that mindset, that curious, open-mindedness. Um, these competencies to begin with. So we gave them the COIL assignment and we also gave students who had absolutely no idea they were going to get a COIL uh, experience whatsoever. We just dumped it on them. So they weren't choosing for an international program or, or you know, uh, anything like that. And what I see from the results of my research is that the students who, ha who already had this international mindset, they did not increase their intercultural competency stats significantly, while the students who, who, who didn't choose for the COIL experience, who didn't choose for the international experience, did have a significant increase in their intercultural competencies. So this really tells us a lot that, that the students who really need this, um, um, this experience, this COIL um, uh, experience, are the ones who are not going abroad the ones who 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 um who don't have that on their radar these are the ones that we really need to um uh, help in developing these competencies and this is why internationalization at home is so important for our students and i i think i'll probably say this later on as well i really think that uh, internationalization at home and, and COIL is like the basics of internationalization. It's like internationalization 101. And it's not, I hear this notion sometimes that, oh, you know, uh, virtual exchange COIL is, is the poor man's study exchange or study abroad. And that's absolute rubbish. You know, COIL is for everybody. It's, it's the basics of internationalization. Everybody should have this opportunity in their, in their first year or at least in their studies. Um, so that's what I think about the student experience so far. I don't know, Kiko, if you uh, want to add anything to what I just said. No, I was agreeing to the, the last thing that you mentioned about the, yeah. the ones that who really have a good impact from COIL is exactly the ones that who do not have opportunity, will not have opportunity to do yeah. any other kind of international experience or practices while they're on the campus. And they were the one yeah. actually starting from the very bottom understanding or sensitivity, but then they have a big leap of change just over one core experience. And that's like an eye opener. We have a, some students who have actually went through from the very big, low, low level, just to, just to put it that way for the lack of work. Um, but then he got so excited about it. He took another coil and then he started to um, decided that he's going to um, study abroad. He didn't uh, never thought about that before, and then he did it, and then after that, he now is actually pursuing an MBA in Germany. So this this kind of an episode, I mean, it's happening. Having I'm seeing this radically happening on campus. So the what kind, what coil can have as an impact to student 
it can yeah. be really quite remarkable. That's those are great stories. And, um, you know, it, it begs the question, um, you know, what type of, you know, you talked about different groups who self-select as being interested in coil work um, and groups who just had it sort of dropped on them, on them as a surprise. Um, so I'm wondering if you can share, um, Simone and, and Keiko, both of you, um, what your thoughts are on particular subject matters that are very, are particularly suitable to coil. Um, or is it your opinion that, you know what, it's all suitable. Yeah, I would say that it's all suitable, but it's um, it depends, I suppose, on where you can in your curriculum, where you can fit this in as well. Um, so, and, and finding a partner who also has some flexibility within their course as well, so they can co-design a, a, an assignment together. And, and that kind of brings me to another point as well, is that the assignment is very, very important that you give students. So COIL is not just like, um, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna set up a, an online session for 45 minutes with a university in, in Canada, and my students can talk to their students for 45 minutes. That's not the idea. It really, the, the assignment has to be really a collaborative assignment in the sense that students need to rely on each other to complete it. So if they don't have that uh, challenge there, and then it's just they're all working on their own islands and, and that, that they don't learn through this scaffolding, through this collaboration. Um, so that's the, the, the only the thing that I would say that, that, that it can, you can do this in any discipline, but you would have to be creative and seeing within your discipline, within your subjects and in your courses, where you can fit this and finding a partner who also has the same uh, ideas and the, the, the same flexibility as you might have to see where you can build this into your, um, into your course. But I think it, it can be done in any subject um, and, and it benefits any discipline as well. It's uh, Fantastic. Thank you, Keiko. All right. Yeah, Keiko, did you have anything else? And for those of you who are not watching on YouTube, Keiko was nodding the whole time. Uh, so. <laughs> um, just, um, I, if I were to say, um, which subjects or the students who, um, that do I want them to be involved in COIL? I'll definitely say the students in STEM because it might be difficult to squeeze the coil component into their curriculum, but they are the ones that who needs this sensitivity yeah. skills that they need to, to cultivate because they, they will actually be working in a virtual team together, international team together. That's what the science is all about, really, for, for the next, next generation, even more so. So I would want more STEM subjects to be involved in COIL. In fact, yeah. we are pushing very hard at our university to do the science and the engineering professors to have a little, even a tiny component of a COIL so that this is going to happen. Yeah, and, and to, to add to that as well, it's also, I mean, we talk a lot about the students, the students, the students, but this is also a learning experience for the lecturers, the academics, and, 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 and through this process, they also learn. And um, this is where you can, as an institution, you can, you can find the intrinsic motivation within your academics to do this. If you can, if you can say, okay, you're gonna, if, if, you, if you take this on, you can learn more about your subject. You can, you can find another partner abroad and do joint research together on a specific subject in your, in your field. So it's also finding those intrinsic motivations and showing what lecturers can get out of this as well. Um, and I think that's very important. And training them too. So, so as I said earlier, uh, the lecturer takes on the role of a facilitator and has to facilitate students through this 
intercultural learning journey. So they need to be given a set of skills that in which they can help with which they can help students um, uh, progress through this uh, through this course as well. So there are things to consider um, within institutions as well. Awesome. Okay, thank you for that. And when you know you, we talk, uh, you talk there about like what students or uh, what facilitators or instructors, um, faculty might need. But what kind of support can a university or an institution provide specifically to students who are participating um, in in Coil projects? Um, if, if Keiko, if you could want to take that, or, or because it's more of a um... Tool my two part the domain of the IT tools that's I guess the infrastructure is the basic basic thing that the, I think institution needs to provide. Currently, you know, with this pivoting online with the COVID time, um, this environment support seems to got much improved really. But before, uh, it was sort of up to the students whether they have access to say you know particular software or to um, um, they have to install the particular things it, just because of this, they're involved in the COIL course. It was very sporadic. But now it's starting to have more coherent understanding where, okay, we have to provide this basic need. Um, it's getting better. But I would definitely say that that is the first support that students will need. Another is um, the, our students, particularly when I think about my students in Japan, that they are definitely a digital native generation. And they're very good with the smartphones and they know what to do with that things on a smartphone, but they may not know how to use that for academic learning purpose either. So you need to actually provide them orientation of transitioning, you know, their, their, their skills to a learning practices skills, the skills that they can apply to that different domain. So that part, I think that's a part that the instructors have to, to um, bring on to the classroom. And that would be another kind of a soft support. Awesome. Yeah. Simone, anything to add there? Um, yes, I think uh, Kiko mentions everything uh, that we can um, do to prepare and support our students for, um, for, taking, for taking on a core course. But I also think for um, institutions to um, really embed this, they also need to invest in their lecturers. And that would mean giving more time to their lecturers to um, uh, develop the skills needed to to, de- to develop and to to teach a coil course, um, but also the time to um, to develop the course, to find the partner and to sit down um, online with their partner and develop this uh, coil assignment. Because I know if if you are really to to develop a, a, a good collaborative assignment, it takes time. It takes and it takes time because you're also communicating with another lecturer who comes from a different institution with a different culture and different background. So I think it's not like developing a regular course within your program. It it, it takes more time than that. And that's something that really needs to be addressed in a lot of universities to give extra time to lecturers to develop these uh, kinds of courses. Okay. So we've talked about why institutions might take on this challenge. We've talked about what it means for institutions and their students. Um, we are the Climate Action Network for International Educators, um, and I'd be super keen to get both of your perspectives on what is the opportunity with COIL as it is connected to sustainability and specifically, uh, you know, 
us climate action. Um, but you know, there's certainly some SDG connection to like quality education for all. And we talk about inclusion and, and there's the social justice piece about, um, (laughs) Simone, when you called it rubbish, that this isn't, um, about, you know, it's not the poor man's, um, internationalization. Right. So I'd be keen to hear both of your um, perspectives and maybe starting, um, with you Keiko on sort of your, your thoughts on how COIL, um, what the opportunity is with respect to climate impact specifically, and then inclusion as well. Well, I mean, definitely, you know, it's, it's reducing carbon footprint for sure by opting out to the COIL a mode of um, international education, that itself. But um, more importantly, what I should say additionally, um, perspectives of educational education for sustainable development mindset. So bringing the topic, topic of SDGs, for example, into a COIL collaboration class design. By itself, you can actually make the students be more aware of this um, SDGs and uh, uh, what they need to do, they will be start thinking about what are the relative issues around them locally and globally. And then they can even think about solutions with the uh, overseas partner students as well. So those are very much of a um, first step into heading the directions that we want to head. That's from the educational perspectives, I would definitely say this is a strong impact for even for climate actions, what any other goals in the SDGs? Yeah, I think, you know, what has the pandemic also taught us now? Um, like everything's been put online and, and, and we've had to um, uh, collaborate online across borders to problem solve. So that's, this is like a test run for the future, I think, you know, um, the pandemic. So, I mean, I totally agree with, with what, what Kiko says, but on a, on a different um, um uh, topic, I kind of want to mention that there also is this notion that there should be mobility for all and all students want to be inclusive. So all students should um, be able to travel abroad. And I feel that this is a little bit of a romantic notion. And of course, we want all students to have in an international opportunity and uh, develop these intercultural competencies. But if we were to send all of our students abroad, this is just not, this is not, first of all, not feasible, and it, it's also not sustainable. So it, it, it doesn't make sense. So, so what, what we could do is we use COIL as, you know, we use internationalization at home and COIL one of, being one of these tools. It, it, we use that to help our students develop intercultural competencies. So they have that basis, they have that, that, that level of competencies. And then from then on, we can, we can build it up, we can make it more complex. And of course, students can have the opportunity to uh, go abroad, to study abroad, but we have to be strategic in this and, and, and look, maybe, maybe they travel um, regionally, so to the neighboring countries to develop these intercultural competencies, or every university has a green policy in which, you know, it's, it's, it's really uh, clear how much, you know, carbon is emitted through their travels, and maybe there's a grant included that they can get a train ticket or something along the lines of this, so that the, the, the these, these strategies are in place for reducing our carbon footprint. But the notion of mobility that the COIL is for, I know, and Kiko, 
sure you said this too, that it can encourage students to go abroad. And that's fantastic. But the notion to have all of our students traveling abroad, that's just it's not feasible. You know, it just, just that doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. Keiko, I think in one of the either conversation or I think it was a note um, we talked about, like um, you mentioned, I thought this was so great, which was what did what do we want the students to gain from physical study abroad anyway? What are, what do we want them to gain and where can we improve coil? coil just coils just getting started. Right. And so Simone alluded to that, but quite, I mean, Keiko, I'd love to sort of hear that the driver behind that, like, what did we want them to learn anyway? Physical study abroad. Yeah. You know, when they're <laughs> traveling abroad, um, in the, generally speaking, there are more availability, accessibility now getting there before COVID I'm talking about. And we, Particularly, I see this tendency in Japan and more maybe in Asia and Pacific, this might be a tendency, but we're throwing, it's you're treating studying abroad as like a, almost a wastebasket. Just throw in there, send them out to a foreign country, they come back with some gains. And we don't know exactly yeah. what those gains are, but we're just going to send them out anyway. And then we count the numbers of students who go out as a mobility number and then we call it internationalization. And yeah. then now we have to ha- add a halt now and thinking, okay, what did we want them to actually learn anyway <laughs> at the destination? Now that we have to actually be very careful, do we want to send the students abroad or not? And if you really wanted to decide to send them, what is it that they, we want them to make sure that they are learning there? And how long they should be staying there if they are doing it? At the same time, what is it that we want and we can actually expect the students to gain in a online mode of international education. So in other words, for COILERS too, that we actually are challenged by the situation that we need to define further, what is it that we want the students to actually learn out of getting out of this COIL practices and how the COIL design should actually be adjusted to that purpose. So that's, a, I would yeah. just say two layers to that. Exactly, that's exactly it, right? So so what, what competencies do students need, you know, by the time they graduate and how can they achieve, how can they acquire these competencies? And that brings us to like, you know, I mean, there's study, there's research on this that students have gone abroad and their intercultural level has not, not, uh, intercultural companies have not developed at all compared to when they when they leave and when they come back so I think it's really looking at what what intercultural competencies do universities want their students to have by the time they graduate what do employers what 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 are, what are employers looking for as well and then looking for ways in which students can acquire these competencies and that brings us back to coil as well as as well that more empirical research needs to be done into coil to see what students are actually learning how they're learning and what to what what how is it how is it effective in them developing intercultural competencies and that's why I am doing more research into COIL and there are many different organizations now as well with Evolve who are also doing further research into COIL to see how students are learning through through using this tool so um yeah yeah totally agree with what Kiko has to say there that's that's great and you know I think it takes us to the the next step and you know we all you talked about the transformation you saw that transformation where maybe they didn't love their coil experience at first but looking back there they were transformed right like when this when you talked about the student experience so that's kind of everything that we're, we're trying to achieve and what we're trying to design is transformational experiences that is what we 
say, and when we talk about like romanticizing international education and the things that we tell ourselves as practitioners, of course, people are having transformational experiences, but you know, there's a lot of questions. Are they sort of justly distributed, um, within student groups? Are they, um, sort of, you know, worth the carbon emissions that they're um, putting out. And so there's some really real questions there. And I'm really looking forward to more of that research. I know when uh, you were talking at the summit, it was just starting to dig into it and doing more of it. So um, that'll be really great. And so I think that there's obviously a a ton of potential and you guys both alluded to it. So say that you know, where did, where does one start? Is this tend to be faculty driven? Is it out of, you know, this is a lot of international education practitioners, um, out of international offices, where have you, um, each of you, if you can share, um, your experience, maybe Simone, where it, where it started from at your institution or where, what you've commonly seen and how to get started and sort of do more of that. Well, I've done a whole circle right around. So when I started, I was really looking for exchange partners to send my students abroad. So that was my my drive. I wanted to send all my students abroad. I wanted to get them abroad. And we had this really, yeah, we had this really nice um, partner, um, uh, SUNY Newpals, actually, State University Newpals. They had a great communication and media department there. And I wanted to send my students there, but they were not accepting any students because of capacity reasons. So that's what got me involved in COIL because John Rubin, the founding father of COIL, um, he was, I I don't even, I think I was introduced by the head of the the New Pulse um, University. I was introduced to John through him and that's how he told me all about COIL. So that's when I first started up my COIL course and that was back in 2012 and 2013. And I just thought like, why are we not doing this more? You know, this just just makes, it's like, it just makes total sense to, to that we should all be doing this. It adds so much, enhance, enhances the course so much more. And so that's when I got started with it back in 2013, 2012. And then um, from then on, I, I, I just included COIL courses within my own um, my own courses. And then I moved from, that was when I was working at Utrecht uh, University. And then I moved from Utrecht to Den Haag. Um, and that's, Den Haag really wants to be the most international university in the Netherlands. So they're really investing a lot in internationalization and try to give the COIL a boost um, uh, as well. So that's kind of where we started. I started and where I am now uh, with COIL. And of course, my, my, I don't know if we'll discuss this uh, again, but my climate story, you know, was actually when I was flying back from, um, from, from Helsinki and I started reading David Wallace's Wells book, um, you know, An Uninhabitable Earth. And it just hit home for me at that point. Like, what am I doing? Why am I sending all my students abroad as well? This is crazy. This is so bad for the planet. And then I just thought we have to really focus on COIL as a way to help our students develop international competencies as opposed to sending them abroad. So, and that's where I am now, I suppose. <laughs> I I love that your your COIL story specifically started with the intention of sending people like everyone yeah. abroad. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. It's like, That's it. that yeah. was what we've known. Right. And so when yeah. we're introduced to this other completely valid way of developing international, international competencies, like really powerful. That's so cool. I didn't know that. And Keiko, yeah. what about you? Well, like, like I was saying before that I was doing more, you know, bringing technology ICT into classrooms, the blending learning was my, on my mind anyway. 
And um, it just so happened I was using, um, I was doing an e-portfolio at the time in 2014. And I was talking to a, at the conference and it so happened that a keynote speaker was John. And we were just, yeah. we actually met in the back, you know, backstage and then we had a lunch together. <laughs> And that's how I started to learn what a Poyo is. It's like, oh, this is cool. So I decided to do three of uh, Poyo courses myself. I have to just, you know, give it a try myself and see how it's like. And the students' reaction was just fantastic. Yeah, yeah. And they were just, you know, at the time in 2014, if you remember, the technology is not that savvy as it is now. It's, it was a Skype. It was only availability, I think, more or less. And then there was the Google, I guess, Drive and things like that available, but not quite, you know, as of today, the digital um, availability was not there, but then somehow we got it through with that, you know, hearing there are some challenges, but then the students did not even mind about this fact that, you know, sometimes you didn't get to have connections going well. They just had a blast and then just learned a lot more. And, you know, I'm sorry about the dog. <laughs> that we got the, um, actually I got the best student um, evaluation than I think the, the past years that I've been teaching uh, on campus. So I got now confirmation that this is really uh, something that we should bring into uh, our university. And at the same time, around that time, just so happened that our university was going for the next 10 year internationalization policy. They were to develop it and I was appointed to become a senior international officer then. So I needed to propose some and I thought, all right, so I'm going to actually propose this COIL as internationalization at home policies, which was not there, was not really that recognized in Japan at all at that time. So it was a really uh, innovative kind of suggestion, but universally, luckily, that senior administration liked that idea. So um, now it's, it's actually scribed in our internationalization policy at the Kansai University. So it, has, it gives me a very good legitimate reasons to promote COIL now. Awesome. Um, and so more questions, um, you know, what are, I'm super curious about this, the challenges of implementing COIL. Um, uh, what I would just say, like, what are some common barriers to getting us started? Or faculty person? Or is it institutionally? I mean, it depends on both. That's those are really good perspective because we have some faculty yeah. who are canny podcast listeners and a lot of international practitioners as well. So um, if you could share either both of your perspectives, yeah. Get started as a baby step, um, as in a one person, a faculty member. That's how I started it. I think that's how, how Simone started as well. So it's yeah. the first step is just give it a try, really. If you have a overseas part of a colleague of yours. Maybe you will have international um, um, colleagues that you studied together or something like that who's at a faculty uh, position and overseas somewhere. That might be a first thing to do. Um, I think starting a COIL now in 2021 is much easier than starting a COIL in 2013. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. Environments more welcoming as well. So I think it's really, it, I would just strongly recommend that first step as that. But in order to actually sustain it and, you know, say institutionalize it or having a more presence on campus, not just your thing, then you need a team. Say in order to build a team, you need that yourself as a faculty, maybe some more people joining into the community. And also you need to have a buy-in to somebody who with a, a bit of an authority. 
in a division, for example, Division of International Affairs or something like that. And also you might need to talk to somebody from Center for Teaching and Learning and that yeah. they, they actually, um, hopefully they'll like that, your suggestion as well. So you're, you're creating a, a team within that, your own campus. And by that, I think that has a good step into the uh, milestones to head towards. Great. Yeah, I would totally agree. Totally agree. And I mean, um, I also think that it depends on the institution as well, because every institution is different. Every institution has a different infrastructure um, where things are placed within the university as well. And some can be centralized, some can be decentralized. So that can make things a little bit tricky. But from my experiences, in, in addition to what Kiko said as well, is that, um, I mean, I think it's also... Uh, repetition within your own institution as well is, is constantly keeping that that virtual exchange coil network going within an institution constantly having workshops workshops going or uh, sessions on best practices so it's always there and people are always reminded of it and know that oh this is something that that's, that's possible that I can do and uh, seeing other examples of what other lecturers are doing um, gives them inspiration to do it within their own courses as well and another um, um, uh, Point would also having the coil course um, embedded within your um, within your programs and embedded within the exam regulations so the exam assessment because sometimes what happens is you might get a very enthusiastic lecturer who's like, oh, I want to do this and, and, and set up a beautiful coil course, but that lecturer might move on to something else and then the coil course uh, disappears um, because they don't have the engine is gone. So it's, it's important to have it embedded in the exam regulations as part of the assessment. So if that lecturer leaves, the next lecturer takes it over. The program has to continue with it. It has to uh, um, um, it has to go ahead. A, a partner has to be found and so on. So I think that's really. Um, uh, at least in my in, here in the Netherlands, what what is what is quite important to have it included in the exam regulations. And what else could I? I yeah, as I said as well, giving more and it depends on the infrastructure and how things operate within universities. But giving maybe um, uh, an extra reward in in terms of time or perhaps something else to lecturers to um, take on this coil course. Uh, as well, because it is extra work. It does take it does take more time to develop um, a coil assignment. So those kind of things I was I, I think are important. Um, yeah, I think, and as, as Kiko says, I mean it's much easier to include this within your courses now because everything is online. Um, so it's not as scary anymore to to work online. Um, yeah, that's it. No, that's super helpful. I think between sort of Keiko suggesting like different partners within an institution um, and then as well, like some practical things to keep in mind, things that an institution or whoever's in charge of internationalization can do to embed that within the institution and who the different yeah. players are. So this is a like beautifully, it's almost like you guys have worked together before. Um, <laughs> it was a long time ago. We faced the many... Um, challenges in the institution, yeah. similar experiences that really just comes down to a common ground. For Even across borders, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that's so funny. So I actually didn't know when I asked you both to be on this podcast individually that you guys had worked together which is amazing. So since I've got you both here and there's this new information on the table, um, I was wondering if we can wrap up with 
um, you sort of sharing some of the best practices and also best memories of when you guys um, did your work together, which was, um, I guess, in 2018 between uh, Kansai University and the Hague University of Applied Sciences, right? So in 2018. So guys, share your story. There was that one choir course that we, um, if you're talking about that choir course collaboration, mm-hmm. um, the professor instructor wasn't, um, the main professor that um, did the choir collaboration was not me. It was actually a uh, professor Don Baisoff, but um, it was, um, and then there was another professor at uh, the Hague that um, worked together as well. So we've had the choir collaborations um, yeah. in a couple of times. And the course that um, collaborated from our end was gender studies. I think it was. And another one was critical thinking, methods of critical thinking is the subject. So it's a more of a um, general educational level undergraduate targeted um, class. So it was a really, you know, anything can be a topic for that course, as long as it has, you know, goes into a critical thinking methodology. So it was easy to actually adjust to a task design for a quail. And I think what they did yeah. was they analyzed Trump's um, Twitter messages Actually, at that time, it was an interesting um, <laughs> task collaboration project that they decided to do. But what I would say as a beautiful story that came out of the collaboration, as you asked, um, is that uh, because we actually worked on the collaboration together, we are now a, a formed a, a university level uh, agreement between HAG um, and Kansai University because of that. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, so it has a very that's, nice ending or continuing agree, engagement, I guess. Yeah, that's the that's the 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 advantage of it as well is because um, when you get institutions that know what Coil is, you know, like Kansai and Den Haag, then it's so much easier to develop Coil courses together as well because everybody is familiar with what it is they've heard it before and that 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 makes that makes the process go much quicker i think as well and there's more support as well behind the lecturers who are developing the courses and another point as well what what you just said is that we we've made exchange partners now but there's also the the idea of strategic coil partners as well so using certain um, uh, institutions, certain universities um, as a strategic partners to make COIL courses. So you know that like, I'm going to be able to rely on this university to use for the so many years in the future that they will d- develop COIL courses with us. And that's kind of an, in different areas as well. So that's quite an interesting development that is happening. And we, 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 we do it with Kansai, but we are also doing it with Coventry University in the UK as well, that we have several um, COIL um, uh, courses running with Coventry in different disciplines um, because they're also very active with COIL. So um, this is a, a nice development that is developing um, now these days. Oh, well, thank you so much to you both for sharing that story. I love, um, you know, I don't know that continuity of a relationship would have been something that I thought about as like a critical component of ongoing COIL. And that makes obviously perfect sense. And this is why I'm not in an institution. Um, But I just want, yeah, thank you so much to the both of you for being here. I know that I uh, learned a lot. And I think that this was, this allowed for much deeper exploration of um, what you both had shared with the Canny community at our international summits in May and November. So thank you both so much um, for taking the time. Any any final parting words, hopes for Coil, dreams for Coil? Yeah, maybe it's a little bit, um, you know, um, 
it's a little bit more of an opinion, not, no, not opinion, but what I also hear, though, about um, virtual exchange and COIL is that um, I'm constantly hearing that, like, oh, yeah, but that's also very bad for the environment, you know, because, you know, it's the energy consumption and the water that, that goes into, you know, powering electricity, you know, so, yeah, that's just, that's, that's quite bad as well, you know, video streaming, et cetera. And that really also needs to be nipped in the bud that it is tiny, tiny, has a tiny impact compared to flying somewhere, you know, going on a transatlantic flight, you know, or something like that. So, so it's really like, you know, to, to, to really nip that one in the bud to say that, oh, yeah, you know, you, using coils for students to develop intercultural competencies is just as bad for the environment as them flying abroad. That, that is not the case at all. One is, it's the lesser of the evils, let's put it that way. <laughs> so that's an important note. I love that final point. I love that final point because I just came across a study about a conference, of, an astronomy conference in Europe where they compared their previous years to the virtual one they did. And it was 3000 times less of a size of a carbon footprint accounting for all the zoom um, and the amount of time that people spent on zoom and server uploads and downloads and energy consumption. So it's like 3000 times less. I was like, no, no, no. I was so happy. I was like, I know that has nothing to do with international education, but here's a fun study that I found about conferencing. So you can apply that same logic to sort of mobility. And so that's a really powerful, like, period yeah. at the end of the coil sentence and it would be also nice to get like you know to to create like a, a bank of all of these different studies that the, give these statistics of where of, of what what it, what is worse for the environment to build up this bank of information girl i got you that is coming on the new canny website so hopefully ah, uh, yes we are going to be having lots of resources on um carbon um sort yeah. of carbon impact science yes definitely yeah, carbon impact science yes yeah and I get conflicting there's also conflicting studies as well all the time so yeah and uh so Keiko over to you to sort of wrap this up for us well I don't know if it's going to wrap up the, for the whole <laughs> session today but I would say that um it's you know, going for global learning for all, the inclusive education um, yeah. with that mindset and quite definitely is giving us a lot to think about and also uh, maybe uh, solutions and some light to the to answer those big challenges as well. Um, I hope that COIL, as I think Simone mentioned earlier, that is not considered to be something that, that limited people can um, only appreciate, you know, and institutions, it's really a mission to the institutions of the homework that they should not make COIL program or practices to be limited to a certain level of a certain population of on campus. They should be making sure that it's an inclusive uh, methodology available for all students, including not just the traditional students, but non-traditional students as well. And I'll say this strongly because Japan's getting more of, you know, shrinking age population for that traditional students, we're facing for non-traditional students coming onto campus, we have to make sure those um, practices like COIL are available to everyone. So I hope that would be the direction we're um, going for and I hope that I have some contribution to that too. Honestly, you two ladies ending on the like combination of carbon like reduction action and like inclusivity and justice in what COIL can bring. I think those are like the two most perfect points to end on. And so with that, I think I just want to thank you one more time for spending this 
this time with us. It really flew by. So thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. All right. So thanks everyone for listening and uh, we'll uh, see you on our next episode. The Canny Climate Dialogues podcast is engineered by Diego Mendez, who is based in Vancouver. He edits these episodes together, making us look and sound super professional. And also he uploads these episodes to wherever you listen or watch this podcast.